1: Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bucus Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling.
2: A word to share with you to encourage your hearts on today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, and read a few verses here from Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 22. The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 22, reads as follows. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one of them said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. In this particular text that I read and you're hearing, it is a a text that tells the story of Jesus in route to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem to offer himself as a ransom for the sin of the world. That's interesting how we can go back in time and see what God has done for us. And so in route to Jerusalem, someone asked him a question that we find in verse number 23. Lord, are there few who are saved? Question rises because Jesus has been teaching them and he's been speaking to him along the way as he's journeying. And, and he's speaking mostly to Jews and all the Jews and those of Israel. He's letting them know that because of your attitude towards religion and towards God and towards faith, you're going to miss out on the promise of God. And he's been telling them that it's going to be a lot of the Israelites. You're going to miss out on this opportunity because he knows what's going to happen. And he's telling them that. And so in the heart of this one who asked the question, it doesn't sound like a whole lot of folk to get saved. And so he asks Jesus the question, are there few who will be saved? And so he gives them this answer. And he says in verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow gate. I want to talk just for a few moments from the subject and idea, strive to be among the saved. Now, this word strive gives the idea of battling, if you will, or contending against an adversary who is attempting to prevent you from something. And in this context of the passage, there is an adversary. There is one who is working against you, who is desirous of keeping you from entering into heaven and being among the saved now. We can define this opposition in the form of the flesh. That's us, our own physical bodies, our sinful nature. We can define that in the form of Satan, Lucifer, slew-footed one, demons that have been thrown out of heaven, and, and all kinds of other things, and all kinds of stuff that work against us, that causes us to have to strive, to push, to persevere beyond all the obstacles so that we can enter in through the narrow gate. And Jesus tells them, He says, strive for that. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. And why the narrow gate? Well, in another passage, as Jesus is teaching in Matthew's Matthew's version of this same teaching Uh, Matthew says that that Jesus taught them that broad and wide was the roadway that led to destruction but straight and narrow was the one that led to righteousness and he went on to let them know it was a narrow gate and a difficult road and the difficult way to get to life now Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 he says enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate And broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who will go by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who will find it. When I read through that passage, I've read it thousands of times before, but when I was looking at it this time, it reminded me of a commercial that I recently saw. It's a a Verizon commercial, I think, and it has something to do about the speed of the Internet or something. And, And they got all these people coming down, and they've got this little gate and this little entryway and everybody's going through the entryway one at a time and it's slow. And then somebody else says, well, we came along and thought about having a bigger entryway. And so we made a bigger entryway. And then all of the people start rushing to get to this bigger entryway. And it seems like a whole lot of people are making it through this entryway. Now, this is my theological mindset. I'm watching commercials and I'm thinking about kingdom. Okay, uh, In my theological mind, what I saw there is what we see happening in our world today. There are too many people who say, well, that little narrow way just coming through Jesus, there's got to be more to it than that. So we're going to make a broader way so more people can make it in. And so what they've done and what we're doing in our society is we're telling people there's more than one way. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody can get to heaven. Nobody can get saved. Nobody can get to the Father except they come through me. Now, you might want a broader, wider, faster internet, but there ain't but one way to get to heaven. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so he lets them know here in the text that they need to be striving to enter through this narrow gate for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Why? Because they're going to try to come some other way. They're going to make statues to rub on the belly of the statue and meditate on so they can say, I'll come in through Buddha. They'll raise up a Muhammad and say, Muhammad is the way, and we can go in through Muhammad. They'll say that through transcendental meditation or through Scientology or some other made-up, man-constrived ideology. We can get there that way. They'll be pillars, and they'll put statues of gold and images of silver, and they'll say, if we wear this around our neck or if we just have a rabbit's foot, we'll make it in. No, but he says in John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, he who does not enter by the door is a thief and a robber. And he came back in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am that door. You got to come in through me and all who enter through me will be saved. And so he's encouraging the crowd here. He's encouraging us even today from this period of time over 2,000 years ago. He's telling us to strive to come through this narrow gate, strive, persevere through all opposition, through all the cloudiness of the world, strive to seek to enter in through the narrow gate because there's a whole lot of folk that won't make it. You hearing what I'm saying? And so, but Jesus is saying, look, while you have a chance, strive, because there are those who won't make it in one because they're trying to get up some other way. But there's another group of people who won't make it in because they're going to wait too late. It's right here in the text. Verse 25, it says, once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I don't even know you. Where are you from? That's a harsh statement, but that's, that's the reality. And the reality of it is, as he's encouraging us, if we, if we really want to strive to be among the saved, we've got to realize that we've got to strive while the door is open. But secondly, we also have to understand that the master is going to shut the door. You don't have forever to get through this door. And if I can really just take you back through a few decades, about two decades ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, for some of you, you were moving a lot faster than you do now. Amen. Amen. You jump out of the bed, and you fell on your feet and didn't think twice about it, but now you have to look down to make sure your feet are there before they hit the floor. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You begin to move a little slower. You used to be able to see everything, and now you need some glasses, and you got probably two or three sets because you need one pair to see long and another pair to see close. And, and y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to tell you the door is closing. And as much as you used to be able to sprint through the door, it's getting time now where the master is going to close the door. We don't have forever to get through this door. And so we need to get through the door while we have a chance because the text says the time is coming when the master is going to close the door. And you and I are going to be standing outside the door because we didn't come in while the door was open. I just want to encourage you to come in while there's a chance. While there's time, while you have blood running warm in your body, while you can make a conscious decision, while your brain still works, while you still know who you are, while you still can comprehend, while you still can feed yourself, while you still can understand what I'm saying, while you still can hear, while you still have the grace of God being poured out on you, while your eyes are still open, while you still understand there is a heaven and a hell, make the decision while you have time now. You know how many people are in hell who plan to be in heaven? All of them. So what makes us so different that our plans that we are postponing are not going to allow us to end up the same way? Outside the door, knocking, and Jesus saying, I don't even know who you, where are you from? He says they're outside the door, knocking, and asking, can they come in? And this is... The storyline of the text, the storyline of the text says, verse 26, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets, but he's going to come back verse 27, but he will say, I tell you, I don't know you, where are you from? Depart from me, all of you workers of iniquity. In other words, when I'm outside the door, when it's too late, all of the excuses that I raise up won't be enough. Because everybody wants to say, Jesus, you know we was tight. Man, I, I came by the church a few times. I watched it on TV. I listened to it on the radio. I mean, come on, Jesus. I mean, you were teaching in my town. You had a church on my street. That's what that's as they say here in the text. You taught on my street, but they don't say anything about we received what you taught or we accepted the gift that you offered. They don't say anything about that. They just say we was hanging out with you. We was close. Let me help you here. Close ain't going to get it. Okay. A whole lot of people going to hell right out of church. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because it's not being the member of a church or being on the ushers or being in the choir or even preaching in the pulpit. That's going to get you in heaven. It's none of that. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ and accepting that free gift of everlasting life that he provides that's going to allow me to come in. I can't come in no other way. I can't come in saying I was a member of of first Baptist, second Baptist, third Baptist church. He don't care about what Baptist church you was a member of or whether you was a member of Pentecostal church or running on fire church or or open ministries. He don't care about none of that. He wants to know, have you been washed in the blood of the crucified one? I went to and Luke chapter 13 so I could die so that you could come in. I open up the door and the door is open for you. He just wants to know, did you come in through this door? Did you come in through the sun? Do you have the sun? As in first John chapter five, he says, all who have the Son have life. All who do not have the Son do not have life. He doesn't ask nothing about membership. He doesn't ask nothing about your service. He don't even care how many much you gave in tithes. Praise the Lord that you tithe or you give money to the church. But he don't care about that. He wants because your tithes ain't going to save you. I think, I think uh, Paul said uh, you, you and your money will perish. I'm just trying to be realistic. Because, see, we've got a lot of things put in our head about salvation that are not in the Scripture. And I want you to know clearly what the Scripture lets us know. Believe in your heart that God died for your sin. Place your faith in him. And you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now shall be saved. He who has a son has life. He who does not have a son does not have life. I've written this to you so you may know that you have everlasting life. He lays down all in the scripture. Let's, let's make sure. Because he says you've got to come in by this narrow gate. So he encourages here in the text, strive while the door is open. The door is going to close. The master's going to close the door, and all of your excuses and all the things you come up with is not going to be enough. And all that, just because you was in my presence, just because you was hanging around, just because I taught on your street, he's still going to say the same thing, verse number 27. I don't know you. Who are you? Where are you from? And guess what? And you're still outside the door. Think of that. You strive if you're going to strive to be among the saved. Strive while the door is open. Understand that the master is going to shut the door. But lastly, there's going to be suffering outside the kingdom doors. He says in verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all those who've gone on before. When you're outside looking in and seeing all the other folks that gave their life to Christ while they had a chance. And you're standing outside, there's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of sorrow that's going to be going on and you yourselves being thrust out. A lot of weeping, sorrowful weeping, not simple weeping, but grievous weeping. Gnashing of teeth is the idea of just kind of of being in agony and pain because if we don't enter in to heaven, if we're not saved, the place that is reserved for us, watch this. First of all, if we go before the rapture, if we go before the end times, if we go before it's all over and said and done, the first place we go, our first parking place is hell. Okay, according to Revelations in verse chapter 22, it lets us know that after that, hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And all those whose names not found written in the Lamb's book of life will also be cast into the lake of fire with Satan, with the beast, with the false witnesses, false prophets and all those whom he has reserved the lake of fire for. Hell gets burnt up by the lake of fire. So then you get to be cast into the lake of fire. And that becomes your eternal place of residence. And it's not a place where you get to go burn up in five minutes and it's all over with. No, because those who are born again, those who are saved from this eternal death, they receive an eternal body and a glorified body that suffers no more. That goes to be with heaven. On the other hand, those who do not accept receive an eternal body that it will experience all the suffering for eternity. Translation, you will burn every day, all day, and experience all the pain of burning every day. And you will never be consumed. And there shall be great, grievous gnashing of teeth and agony. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just telling you so that you'll be aware you can't get to heaven and get to the door and say, I ain't know that. Pastor Sterling preached it to you on January 29th. He'll roll back the scroll for you and point you out in the audience and say, there you were. You heard it. He made it clear. He didn't get all happy and excited and hooped and hollered that you didn't understand. You understood clearly because he made sure you understood. So that there'll be no excuse when you get to the door and you're outside knocking, saying, can I come in? And the Lord says, who are you? I don't even know you. Depart from me. The reason why I take the time to teach this lesson now is because sometimes people don't want to hear it. But life is brief and we don't have forever. The door is closing, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, reserve your place in heaven. Strive to be among the saved. And here's the deal. It doesn't even take much for you because Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, took care of everything for you. When he got to Jerusalem, he let those whom he created whip him, beat him, spit on him, mock him, nail him to a cross, hang him up, stretch him high and stretch him wide. And he died on that cross just so that you could escape hell. Then they put him in a borrowed tomb, buried him in the tomb because the reason he died was because of your sin and my sin. He took our sin on and he took our sin to the grave, but he himself had no sin. So on the third day, he got up and rose from the dead with all power in his hand and then ascended to glory, sat down on the right hand of God, and is there now making intercession for you and me. He's praying that you make a decision today, that you give your heart and your life to him today. He's making intercession right now so that you and I will be saved. So the work's already done. Now he says to you and I, I present to you everlasting life. You choose. You can choose to live or you can choose to die. You can choose to be amongst the saved or you can choose to be among those outside the kingdom knocking, desiring to come in where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the choice is yours. I can't force you, can't make you, but I can't make you aware. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the promises you've laid before us. For everything you've said, you will do. And so, Lord God, maybe there's someone here today whose life is on a railroad track to hell. But today they've heard your word and they desire to be among the saved. I pray, God, that they would make that decision right now to give their heart and their life to you. Doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's going to be exactly right today. No, it doesn't. But God, it gives them the power of the living God to dwell in them, to lead them and to guide them and to sanctify them and to perfect them day by day. So, Lord God, I'm praying that they would desire to be among the saved. I'm praying, God, today that you would move according to your powerful spirit, open up their eyes to remove the opposition whose desire it is to have them to stay where they are and to finally end up in hell and finally end up in the lake of fire. That's the enemy's plan for them. His plan is to destroy their life. But, Lord, you said, I came that they may have life and that they may have more abundantly. Thank you for that trip to Jerusalem. Save someone, God, today. If there's anybody here under the sound of my voice, while we're still heads bowed, eyes still closed. If anybody here that wants to give their heart and their life to the Lord, I just want you to slip your hand up and slip it down. I'm not going to embarrass you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you're here today, you've never trusted him as personal Lord and Savior, but you want the assurance. You want the guarantee that when you die, you would know you'd be with the Lord. Is there one today? Just slip your hand up and slip it back down. I see you, sir. Bless you. Any others? I see you, sir. Bless you. I see you. Bless you. Bless you. Now, here's what we're going to do. Keep your heads bowed. Keep your eyes closed. We're still going to talk, still talking to the Lord. There's many here today that are already born again. They've already prayed this prayer. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And the power is not in the words that you repeat after me, but it's in what's truly in your heart. Do I really want to give my heart to Jesus? Only you and he know that. But the words we're going to say, in essence, is we're going to acknowledge that we're sinners and that we do believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. We're going to invite him into our heart and ask him to save us. And he's going to do it instantaneously. He's that kind of God. The work's already been done. He's going to acknowledge and receive you immediately. And the only thing left for you to do beyond that is to then embrace what you've accepted today. Find yourself a local Bible teaching, Bible preaching church where you can go in and let them know. I've already given my heart to the Lord. i am already saved And you can follow the Lord in baptism. That's the next steps. But let's look to the Lord in prayer together. And even if you're already born again, if you're already saved, can you just pray with us anyway? Father in heaven. We thank you today. Lord, we've come because we need you. We want to be saved. And we want to be found amongst the saved. We acknowledge today, we acknowledge today that, we that we are sinners and we can only be saved, and we can only be saved if, you if you do it. Come into my heart. Save me, Save me, seal me, seal me. Fill, me with your Holy Spirit fill me with your Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Day of redemption. Claim, me Claim me as your child. I believe you died, I believe you died. On, Calvary for me on Calvary for me and paid the price, and paid the price for, my sin. for my sin. I surrender all, I surrender all to, you today to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, you've heard the prayers of my brothers and my sisters who have made a profession of faith today. Lord, it's not so much the words that I've said, but you know what's in their heart. And so, God, according to each heart, you receive the words that they've said. You've saved them by your amazing grace. And heaven is rejoicing over these who've made a decision today to give their hearts and their lives to you. So now, Father, we too rejoice and are glad that you had opportunity and privilege to secure their life, to secure them, to save them, to allow them, Father, to be amongst the saved. And so now, Heavenly Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you for your blood that never loses power. Thank you, God, that these who come today have come to give their hearts and their lives to you. Father, strengthen them day by day and encourage them. Don't let them be discouraged by naysayers, but Lord, let them keep pressing forward to know you more, to learn more of you, to study of you, to be closer to you. God, give them strength from day to day. Never let them doubt what the word of God has already said and you have done. So Spirit of the Lord, have your way in each of their lives. Bless now, God, and keep in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukus Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301 574 3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Buchis Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Hey, everybody, how would you like to update
0: your home with new carpet, hardwood, or laminate? Richard Carn here with Christine Palera for 50 Floor to tell everybody just how.